Hello and welcome to The Stushy, the award-winning Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. I'm Andy Phillip and on this episode I'll be joined by political reporters Callum Ross and Justin Bowie to look at the only story in town this week, the SNP leadership campaign. To say it's been a roller coaster makes funfair rides seem boring. That's maybe an exaggeration. But if you are here listening to this, I think it's safe to assume that you are interested in the twists and turns of what is shaping up to be a fascinating campaign. We'll try to guide you through it with a peek behind the curtain at what's filling all the chat at Holyrood 2. A quick recap, as of Friday the 24th of February, three candidates are in the race to take over from Nicholas Sturgeon, who quit quite unexpectedly just a few days ago. They are Kate Forbes, Humza Yousaf and Ash Reagan. So we'll go through all of them in turn, starting with Kate, but I'd also just whet your appetite here too that we'll bring you an intriguing wee package later on as well from Justin Bowie's wanders around in Humza's backyard in his actual constituency, Glasgow Pollock. More on that a little later. So let's start with Kate. She, I think, has had been more just as surprised as we are about how her first week of campaigning went. And I think the, the, the key thing here is that she maybe said the quiet bit out loud. And now her cabinet colleagues are stunned that she said that rather than staying quiet. So what are we talking about here, Callum? Her personal views, faith, politics. Do you ever mix politics and religion? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's, that's the kind of question people have been asking this week. Take you back to Monday, I think it was, uh, when, when, when yeah. Kate Forbes kind of... Um, confirmed she would be entering the race. She'd been one of the, the kind of people tipped as a, a, a front runner, a bookie's favourite, or certainly one of them. I was a wee bit surprised that, that she did it, partly for these reasons, because these questions were bound to come up, and I kind of thought she would either want to avoid that or or would have some some answers ready that would kind of uh, enable enable her to kind of park this issue but it seemed she didn't she kind of answered honestly to all these questions uh, which became a bit of a, a media storm didn't it I mean, yeah. she, well let's, let's have a look at some of the things she said um and kind of she, she went in various kind of broadcast interviews and she she was asked about um same-sex yeah. marriage she said she wouldn't have voted for that if she'd been an msp when when that bill passed um and she said she would personally kind of seek to avoid having children outside of marriage this is all of course to for people that don't know um you know it's linked to her her faith i think i'm right in saying she's she attends the free church of scotland yeah and then you know there's a big fallout from that people like you said people like Gillian martin richard lockhead who had who had supported her uh, kind of distanced themselves immediately from her campaign the scottish greens said if she won, it could kind of jeopardise the coalition. Uh, There's even a suggestion she might have to mm-hmm. be suspended from from the SNP over some claims that were described as transphobic. So yeah, it seemed like a a, a bit of a, a disaster, certainly in the, uh, the first 24 hours of her campaign. Yeah, it really did, and it did feel like the wheels would come off within 24 hours. She started at like 11 o'clock on Monday morning with a. A video. It was very slick. It seemed good. She was being described as the the one that was tipped for greatness. She's always been called a rising star. Then by Thursday, she's putting up a sort of well, I, it wasn't an apology. I don't know what it was. It was she was said that she felt terrible about how 
her comments had been taken and she didn't want that to be the focus because you know a lot of people were quite alarmed at um, hearing what she thinks and how it might guide her policies. Now, she is by no means the only person in politics who goes to church or is a member of, a, you know, a, has religious beliefs. Um, Hamza Yousaf, who is a Muslim, has also been asked these questions and he has offered a slightly different answer. So I don't know, how how does the um, the difference in approach guides the policies? How does it, does it matter? Do people care that um, Hamza would say, well, I voted for same-sex marriage and that's okay because it's what it reflects what the voters were saying but Kate says well I'd be guided by my faith does it matter well I mean I guess we're going to find out what one one interesting point to suggest that it might not matter so much is, is a poll I think that's out this morning isn't it from the uh, produced by the big yep. partnership that um it found, although kind of the majority, the most people uh, of the SNP voters they polled, thirty-one uh, percent said they didn't know. Twenty-eight percent were were still backing Kate Forbes, which was which was higher than twenty um, percent for Hamza Youssef and seven percent for Ashregan. And that's after everything that happened um, happened this week, or certainly I think it was until Wednesday the the, the survey. Um, so we don't know, but uh, kind of, the whole controversy is a bit reminiscent, wasn't it, of Tim Farron, uh, if you remember a few, was it about, four, mm -hmm. about f few years ago anyway, maybe four years ago uh, when he was leader of the Liberal Democrats and got in a kind of um, a similar sort of situation where he couldn't really, uh, people couldn't really square his views with the prospect of, of him leading a, a, a major party and ultimately, you know, it mm -hmm. did for him. So, um, but... Uh, there do seem to be signs with the, that poll that maybe Kate Forbes can can weather that storm and 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 come back from it. Yeah, because that poll that you alluded to there, it's um, it's food for thought for them all. I mean, the, the, they took the temperature among SNP voters, a sample of them anyway, um, which could be representative of a wider mood. And it, yeah, it was um, Kate Forbes is eight points ahead of Hamza Yousaf. Of course, there's still a bit of ground to cover here. Um, she. In her message that she put out on Thursday, which was billed by her team as a bit of a reset, uh, she talked very, she said, I will protect the rights of everybody in Scotland, particularly minorities, to live and to love without fear or harassment in a pluralistic and tolerant society. She also points out that she's been in government. She was finance secretary. She's trusted by Nicola Sturgeon and others who had supported her and now are appear shocked at what she said. Her, she's been voted in quite with quite a big number uh, in her patch, is it a surprise? Why are people surprised that she's saying what I, she's saying? I mean, I think there is a difference. I think I think there's a difference when you're first minister. You know, you're kind of the the figurehead of the country. Um, you know, people look to you uh, on all kinds of matters. Uh, you know, as finance secretary, you know, she's very kind of um, focused on the numbers. And her views on kind of social matters don't come into it so far, but it's different if you're first minister. Um, so I think I think uh, I think it will matter to to some people. Um, uh, how many? We'll just need to see. I mean, as we're speaking today, the nominations have closed, so we know that we 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 do now know that there's you know Kate Hamza and Ash. So let's move on to to Hamza Yousaf because he's had a fascinating journey through um, politics. 
he's been in a number of high-profile roles, uh, justice, transport, and health. What is the general mood, Justin, about how he's done in those briefs? Well, I would certainly say that opinions are mixed. I mean, it's a very interesting one because, like Kate Forbes, I suppose on paper, you know, Hamza Yousaf would seem like the ideal candidate. You know, you know, he's handled the health brief, he's handled justice, he's handled transport. So there's a wide range of posts he's handled there. He was very young, like Kate Forbes, when he was first elected. So he's he's often been seen as a rising star of the SNP as well. But his performance in those briefs has come in for heavy criticism. Labour have been demanding regularly that he stands down as health secretary. So at their party conference last week, they were sort of labouring the point that, well, how is someone that we feel has failed in his brief potentially going to get a promotion to the top job? So, yeah, certainly very mixed views in that regard. But what Hamza Yousaf, since he launched his campaign, has tried to do is spin that into a positive. He's arguing that he's been given very, very tough briefs and that he's done the best he can with them. Nicola Sturgeon was defending him during First Minister's questions yesterday. He pointed, for example, to the fact that he was able to avert NHS strikes. That wasn't necessarily the case elsewhere in the UK. But at the same time, I suppose he's still going to be the health secretary who is associated with record a &E waiting times and just there's so much that's been wrong with the NHS and he has been the man in charge of that. Yeah. So... A big aspect of his campaign is going to be, you know, do SNP members believe him? Do they think, yeah, he's had a tough job and he's, he's done what he can with it? Or do they think, actually, he's not one of our more reliable ministers and maybe Kate Forbes is seen as a more competent option in that regard? Yeah, you, you talked about the Labour Party conference there just the other week. Jackie Bailey, who's their health spokeswoman, um, she's had some pretty cutting things to say about him, saying he's failing upwards. He's the worst health secretary she's ever known, this kind of thing. They've called for his resignation so many times now that it, it, it may, it's maybe just lost a bit of currency. It just sounds like opposition for opposition's sake. Is it is it likely to cut through? Bearing in mind that this isn't a national election. This is much like the same experience with the Conservative leadership election last year. It's SNP members that are voting for these people. So do they stand by their man? Well, I think that's quite an interesting one. I mean, it, it takes me back to last year when Boris Johnson was under pressure to resign. And we remember that Ian Blackford would often say every single week, Boris Johnson should resign, he must quit. It didn't necessarily have that much currency because we were so used to it. But when Keir Starmer said Boris Johnson should resign, it felt a bit more important because he hadn't necessarily said it till then. And, and you do wonder a little bit, Labour have been demanding Yousaf resigns for months upon months now, if, if I'm correct. I can't remember when they exactly started making the demand, but... You know, the SNP yeah. have very much taken the tack of, well, Labour is the opposition. Of course they don't like Hamza Yousaf. They're not going to turn around and say, yeah, he's, you know, our, our rival party health secretary is doing a great job. So it's, it almost maybe isn't cutting through a little bit. And as I say, Yousaf keeps going back to this sense of, well, I've been given tough jobs. I've been trusted. And I think that's a very important point. He... He's kind of portraying himself as a sort of successor unity candidate who could follow Nicola Sturgeon's legacy and who can continue that legacy, although he did have to deny that he would be a downgrade on her um, when he launched his campaign earlier in the week. But <laughs> I think to some SNP members, Nicola Sturgeon's opinion holds a lot of weight. And obviously, she has not you know, formally endorsed a candidate, but there is a sense that she seems to have a lot of trust in Yousaf. She's defended him reg regularly and she herself has emphasised, well, health is a tough job. He's been put in that position because I trust him to do it. And yeah, I suppose it's going to come down to even some SNP members who maybe have their doubts over his competence might think, 
I prefer him to Kate Forbes if I have doubts over her religious beliefs or if you don't like Ash Regan uh, as a candidate. So I think I'm not sure how much I'm not sure how much necessarily what Anna Sauer and Jackie Bailey are saying is going to matter to SNP members because no. they're members of the SNP, they're not members of the Labour Party. Yeah, just while we're on Labour, I should point out as well that I had a, a, an, another unexpected twist in the Kate Forbes saga um, when I got a, a phone call from none other than Aberdeen Labour councillor Barney Crockett, who came out to defend Kate Forbes some cross-party support there, which is an unexpected chat. But he he has a Salvation Army background and he was talking about how he feels that she's been really unfairly targeted. And he had some interesting things to say about it. He was talking about how people of religious motivation can often go the extra mile um, in tackling what he sees as the really big problems like poverty and things like that, um, which is clearly a mission which Kate Forbes has also pinpointed um, in her finance brief, she wants to try. She says she wants to try and um, eradicate poverty. But yeah, I wasn't expecting the, the the level of kind of cross party feeling on this, but it's clearly she's she's really struck a nerve, and she's made um, a debate kind of come right back to the front, which maybe people weren't expecting. But it's not the only show in town. There's one thing about Hamza Youssef as well, Justin, that maybe people don't know that he's he lives in Dundee, um, but where was he actually? Elected. So Hamza Yousaf is actually the MSP for Glasgow Pollock. He grew up in and around Glasgow. Um, so he, he is from the, the, the west coast of the country. I believe when he was first elected in 2011, he was just a regional MSP for the city. But in 2016, he was able to oust um, Joanne Lamont, the former Labour leader, and take that seat. Mm. Around five years ago, he moved to Dundee. And that is where he stays with his family. His wife is a councillor in Dundee. And when we spoke to his, his team, they very much emphasised that he's still committed to the constituency. He still travels there a lot. And he obviously knows the area well. He launched his campaign in Clyde Bank and very much talked about his family's roots and, you know, his family moving over um, to Glasgow d- decades ago and I suppose has political rise since then. So he is very, you know, he's not just been parachuted into a Glasgow seat without having any connection to the area, but, you know, he does have a constituency that, is nearly 100 miles away from where he stays. And yeah. obviously, if he becomes First Minister, there's that, there's that sense of a Glasgow constituency living in another city, but then also you know, being based at Butte House sometimes because obviously, you know, the First Minister and I suppose MSPs in general need to spend a lot of time in Edinburgh. So mm-hmm. it's, I suppose for some voters, as we'll hear in a moment, is, is how do you square that? How do you live in one city, work in another, and also Aye. sometimes work in another? Well, it was fascinating. It made us come to the conclusion that it was time to go and sort of test the mood on the streets of Pollock. Well, you can give me a better geography lesson. It's not an area of the country I know particularly well. So what what's his constituency like? What how's it where does it sit in the city? So his constituency is Glasgow Pollock and I suppose it's quite a quite a variety in there. It extends to I believe it would cover, for example, the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital. Um, which I suppose is, is interesting given, you know, his health secretary and that's a hospital in the West that's come under a lot of, well, a lot of, there's been a lot of problems in, at that hospital. It covers part of the, the Pollock area towards, I suppose, kind of the south of Glasgow. And then further up, it would cover, you know, little bits of Govan and then out to Cardonald, which was where I was speaking to voters, sort of on Paisley Road West, which I suppose extends, you know, sort of almost half half of the city in a sense. Um, but... Yeah, I was speaking to voters mm. in the kind of Cardonald area, which um, I suppose is very much at the heart of his constituency. But what was what was the mood then? We'll we'll hear at first hand from some of the people you were speaking to. But I'd be um, interested to know sort of what the mood was like. What were you asking them? 
Um, well, obviously, I, I suppose the first thing I was asking was, you know, literally, do you know who your MSP is? And you get a sense of apathy from some people. There's people who, you know, you, you wanted to speak to them and would just say, well, it's politics, I don't care about that, I'm not I'm not interested at all. I suppose that's the same everywhere. You know, you go to any constituency and there's going to be a lot of people who kind of just say, well, I'm not interested, I don't care. Um, of the people I spoke to, there were, there were mixed views. He obviously has some fans, as is evidenced by, you know, he has a large majority, secured over 50% of the vote in 2021. But there was also, I suppose, some anger as well. There's people who aren't fans, who don't think he's performed well as a minister, who just don't feel he's much of a presence in the area. Um, so, so, yeah, very mixed attitudes. He has some supporters, but there was also, yeah, a, a lot of a general maybe feeling of people who weren't massive on him and who wouldn't be his biggest fans. But obviously, you know, some of these people won't get votes. Well, most of these people, I suppose, won't get votes in the leadership election because they are not members of the SNP. But certainly interesting to kind of gauge, you know, these are the people who put him into power. So it's interesting to gauge where they stand. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time we heard from them themselves, eh? So do you know who your local MSP is? I'm afraid not. Uh, um, no, I'm sorry. No. Uh, no. Uh, slipped my mind at the moment. No idea. Chris Stevens. So after this, I asked some of his constituents whether they knew that he was going to be running for First Minister. Yes, I did. I was aware he's running to be First Minister, but I didn't realise he was the local MP for this area. Yes, yes, I see. No, yes, I did. He was a health secretary, wasn't he, or something? I do. I did, and I do, yes. Would you be surprised to learn that it's Hamza Yousaf, and do you know that he's running for First Minister? Oh, I, knew, I know that, yes, I know that. That's correct, yes. I see him down at the, the shop down there. And... Uh, yes, yes. So oh, so he's the MP here? That's good. I like him. You're a fan? Yes. Oh, right. I think I've seen his uh, name and the thing along there, yes, but I didn't. I don't pay any attention to that. Well, I'm, not, I'm a Labour supporter, so I, I'm not. I couldn't yeah. care less. After this, I decided to ask some of his local voters whether they actually knew that he stays through in Dundee, and we got some interesting responses to that. Yes. Because they had a, a, an altercation with the nursery in Dundee, I remember that. And as a local resident, what do you think of that? Do you think he's, it's alright for him to live in Dundee or would well, you prefer he was in the area? No, I would, I would rather that the local MP lived in the area in which I live. Um, I would say that you would be. It would be more like the, likely that you should stay in the area that he represents, um, only because you would be more familiar. I would imagine with the events that are going on in the area that you live in. However, if he's running for, you know, the, the well, the the upstairs one or whatever, then that's a whole different ball game. I would say. I don't think it should be fair. Do really think somebody for this area should be representing the area? Uh, yes, I did know that. Yeah. Where was it you heard that? It was because he had the, the case with the, the, the nursery. I think he should stay here. Why shouldn't he be able to just live in Dundee if he's here? Because he doesn't really represent his local constituents if he's not in the area. How does he know what's going on if, if he doesn't stay here? No, he should stay here. I think he did know he lived in Dundee because did, did he not have trouble with his children in a nursery or something yeah. like that? I don't think that's too much of a bother. How many... Um, London MPs live in London. I've always thought it was appalling. Well, I think he can live wherever he likes. Your MSP should stay in your local local area. And maybe um, knocking your door from time to time. 
he hasn't met the expectations and I don't think that he ever will if he doesn't actually engage with the community that he is the MSP for. Politicians got up to all sorts of things, it really doesn't matter. So you just dislike politicians anyway, it doesn't matter to you where they are? I just like all politicians, yes, but they're necessary for local for democracy, yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't really bother you that he stays in Dundee, no? Lots of things that politicians do bother yeah. me. I can do about it. Yeah. <laughs> no the whole system needs scrapped and built back up, but oh. it's took the thousands of years to get where they are. Yeah. We John Gordon's no great idea much about it. <laughs> all right, there we go. We John Gordon for First Minister, right? That was uh, I was cracking. So tell us, Justin, what was that representative of your your day out in Pollock? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was a wide range of views, you know, as I was saying. And one thing I found interesting as well was, you know, we are honing in in politics here. We're, we're talking about the sort of minutiae of this race. I suppose it can be quite confusing for for a lot of voters. You know, you heard, for example, references to Chris Stevens. He's the local MP. For, for part of Glasgow, so when, when you've got voters trying to keep up with MPs, MSPs, local councillors, regional MSPs, you understand why a lot of them might not necessarily know, you know, who, who the representative is. But but yeah, I thought it was interesting that, you know, one one woman I spoke to, for example, quite liked him, you know, as you heard there, but when she found out he didn't stay in the area, she was then a, a bit baffled by that, she, she, she felt that he should. And yeah, yeah, there was a sense from some voters that he's maybe not been that active and engaged as well, so... I suppose there's maybe some work for him to do there in his, his, his local patch, but he yeah. will obviously say he's got a strong element of the vote there. He has secured a majority uh, by a considerable distance both times he's ran. So I suppose during, yeah. the, 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 during the day, you're often going to maybe encounter you know, all sorts of voters and all sorts of people who, who are very, very viewed, but there's still obviously very, very views, sorry. There's obviously still a, a strong power base for him there. Yeah. Uh, what what did um, what did his team say to you though about the the criticism that was raised? Um, well, they very much emphasised that you know said he's like sort of a blended family life and obviously he's moved to Dundee to stay with his family and it was for the benefit of his children as well and obviously you know with his wife being a councillor in in Dundee it's not as if they just kind of stay in the area and don't have any involvement there he's obviously quite involved in the area he's also gotten a lot of support from you know Dundee MSPs so far. Uh, there's been MPs, there's been a few that have kind of come out in support for him and backed him. So, yeah, yeah they were just emphasising that he goes to his constituency regularly, he still has a high profile there, and, you know, basically they're arguing that the fact he doesn't stay in Glasgow doesn't, you know, take away from the fact that he kind of is the MSP there. But obviously some yeah. voters have their doubts and kind of disagree with that. Okay, well, um, as a, a fascinating wee insight into the the people's perceptions of their politicians there and uh, yeah you're right to point on that that the whole thing about not knowing who's an MP who's an MSP things like that because there's a lot of people calling him an MP as well so yeah there's there's clearly still a bit of a disconnect and uh, maybe not helped by the location and all that kind of thing as well but we've got one more person to get around as well Ash Reagan who is I think fair to say the outsider in this race certainly the one with the lowest profile or at least that was the case until she rather dramatically quit the Scottish government where she was a minister for community safety. Uh, this was all before Christmas. This was because of the enormous row, which we spoke about at length in previous episodes to do with Nicola Sturgeon's um, push for reform of gender recognition. Um, that ended in all kinds of disaster and the bill was passed in late night marathon sittings before Christmas. Um, it's gone on to cause Cape some problems because she she missed it because she was on maternity leave and had to say 
you know, in, in this, this week that she would have not been able to support it. Had she voted against it, she too, just like Ash Reagan, um, would have had to have left government. So she, you know, she would not be returning as finance secretary. Um, since then, Ash has developed quite a, a following among the more dissatisfied, disaffected um, group of SNP supporters, I think, that don't like the, the, the sort of direction they're going in. Um, I was reading something that she had put in the Herald newspaper this morning, which was about how she thinks that the SNP has dismantled the, the Yes movement since the independence referendum. Um, so clearly having a real go at what you would basically call Nicola Sturgeon era. Um, she launched her campaign just as we started recording today. That poll we talked about earlier had her down at about 7% of SNP voters. Clearly a lot could change there. Um, what I think is interesting is kind of the background, how, who's pulling the strings, who's behind this campaign. Callum, you, you, you've you had a, a few dealings with the people who are connected to that campaign in the past. Well, that's right, Andy. I did, well, I did an interview two years ago with um, Kirk Torrance, a big interview. Um, I did it because he was standing for the Alaba party in the Highlands and Islands. And I thought he seemed like an interesting guy. Now, I don't know exactly what his position is, but, I, you know, I've just, just found out this morning that he's he seems to be heavily involved in Ash Reagan's um, campaign. You can see on his Twitter account that um, that uh, he seems to be promoting her, which is really interesting, I think. Uh, Kirk is... Um, who's, he was born in Paisley, um, but he moved to KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa when he was really young, I think, just one. Um, kind of grew up there and then came back to England, Hertfordshire, I think, when he was just kind of finishing school. There's a Dundee connection because he, after school he went to Abertay, I think, to study some kind of internet computing-type degree but it really became quite influential. Um, just after the SNP came to power, he was kind of recruited as their um, head of new media, I think, um, sort of kind of 2008-2009. I think there was a by-election in Glasgow around then that, that he was involved in. Anyway, he had kind of studied the Barack Obama's campaigning in the States, and he really... He was credited. He was. He's always described as the SNP's digital guru at that that time. But really, the SNP were ahead of the game with the others in terms of the importance of social media and things like that. And you, the work he did behind the scenes was kind of seen as crucial to kind of laying the groundwork for the big landslide in in twenty eleven. So it's really interesting that that he's involved in Ash Reagan's campaign. Yeah. But I don't know what his status is. Is he is he quit Alipa? Um, what, what's going on there? Well, yeah, yeah. He's it's it is odd because he was you know he was very close to Alex Salmond. Yeah, and um, clearly went down that path politically as well after the you know when he left and, and set up his own um, vehicle. There's people like Joanna Cherry, people who um, don't like the way that the referendum has kind of hit the buffers. I mean, Nicola Sturgeon's effectively painted into a corner at the moment. She's she's on the way out now, anyway. What's she going to do? I mean, are they are they basically just fishing in that pool of the people in the SNP who are tempted to go to Alpa? Would we see a complete shift in direction from them? Would would we be really gung ho kind of salmon style? Yeah, I don't know. And what I mean, if she was to win, I mean, would would do you think the likes of 
summoned an Alpa party would, would welcome back into the fold. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it was also interesting that she kind of, one of the first things she did was kind of target, you know, she made a point of saying that, that she would be supportive of, of, you know, North Sea oil and gas in the way that, that the Sturgeon government has been accused of mm-hmm. not being and that Julie 996 yeah. would be our number one infrastructure project. Clearly, kind of their target in disaffected people in the north the northeast of Scotland their their old heartlands that have maybe felt a bit neglected under in the in the in the Sturgeon area so yeah yeah well you look at the the the, the map and it went from yellow to blue in yeah. the northeast of the country that's for sure and there's um I know some SNP supporters listed this might not like the term but certainly they were always described as a bit tartan Tories is um she gone in for them do you think yeah uh, Absolutely, and that that kind of more traditional SNP voter, you know, when after the referendum and Nicola Sturgeon's kind of victory, you know, the party became, you know, it supplanted Labour and it became became a national party and was seen seen by some in the north and northeast. I think it's fair enough to become a bit more central belt uh, focused uh, and that, the kind of failure to mm-hmm. deliver things like A nine Julian's only kind of heightened that I think so they've they've obviously spotted potential there Uh, I do wonder how that how that fits with Kate Forbes campaign as well because I presume you know she would be hoping to appeal to some of those those kind of uh, voters as well so I don't know how those two will kind of uh, marry in the future whether they'll take votes off each other whether they might join forces at some point yeah well I mean there are still a number of weeks to go we'll find out who is our next first minister at the end of March and until then, there's going to be a lot a lot more intriguing news lines and behind-the-scenes chat to get through. But that is all we have time for this week. So thank you to Justin Bowie, Callum Ross, producer Morvin McIntyre, the good people of Glasgow Pollock, including wee John Gordon, and of course, to you for listening. We'll be back next week with more, but until then, pick up a paper, or log on to The Courier, The Press and Journal, and all of our news brands so that you can be better briefed. Vistushi is the politics podcast from DC Thompson, designed to help you understand the implications of what happens in Holyrood, Westminster and our communities so that you can be better briefed. Don't miss an episode by following Vistushi today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. And if you know folks like you who want to understand politics in Scotland a little better, suggest they tune in or follow Stushy Scott on Twitter and Facebook. And stay even more up to date on local and Scottish news by subscribing to The Courier or Press and Journal, where you can get one month of unlimited access for just £1. Check the episode notes for details and terms.